Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back to The Savior Said. This is the episode for August 3 through 9th. Alma 43-52, Stand Fast in the Faith of Christ. Um, and this episode, I think, is going to be a little bit different from what I had hoped it would be. You know, we're going into the war chapters in the Book of Mormon, and, um, you know, we have lots of interaction between different characters, and there's some really good, like, overarching action, like narrative action and things like that that we could go into. And so I was really hoping to, like, scholarly, like, get behind it and kind of give you facts and, you know, kind of go through the different characters and stuff. But as I started my study this week, um, it became much of a different reading, I guess. Um, I have been plagued this week with panic attacks and anxiety about returning to school. Um, Our school system has put out their return plan for going back to school. They call it a reset, Um, you know, our back to school reset plan. And we're going to have in-person school Now, if we were in a county or a community where, like, there was not a a large outbreak of COVID, like, I may not be panicking as bad as I am right now. But, y'all, we are a hot spot currently, like, to the point that Dr. Burks from, like, you know, the coronavirus task force that, you know, you, you see her on CNN with President Trump, like, she's stopping in my city on her way through my state, which is currently a hot spot. Like, that's how bad it is here, but yet we're going back to school in about two weeks. Two weeks I'll start back with teacher um, professional development, and then the kids will come back in about a month. Um, So I can't imagine that our numbers will be under control by then. And it is terrifying to me, terrifying, because I have, you know, I have to work. I have to go to work. And what if I show up to work? and I get sick, or I get the virus, and I bring it home to my son or my husband, and they die because of my job. You know, you're working with a bunch of little kids, and you can't control what they're going to do and how they're going to act. And I mean, even when we have regular rules, they don't always follow the regular rules of keeping their hands to themselves and things like that. And it's just, it's going to be a really tough, scary situation. And so knowing that, I have been like, all over the place, mental health-wise with this. And also, besides all the health stuff, put all the health stuff to the side. Put all the facts that, like, you know, several of the teachers' groups are telling us to get our wills in order before we go to school this year. That's terrifying enough, right? Put that to the side. Then also add in the fact that as a librarian, we don't really have a part in the reset plan. Like, our part is going to be going around picking up whatever pieces are left over, from what teachers have going on in their classrooms. If a teacher gets quarantined and is out one day and we can't find a sub, the librarian's going to step in. 
But at the same time, my principal's telling parents that we're going to be checking books in and out. So I have to figure out how to quarantine the books. And I mean, it's, it just goes on and on and on. Um, and it's just a lot of like different stuff, a lot of chaos and just a lot of craziness. So you can tell like I'm kind of getting like amped up about this, like really concerned. And so I'm in this frame of mind where I like I'm already having to do like breathing exercises multiple times a day of like, you know, <laughs> deep breath in, deep breath out, like, like take a moment and pause. Um, my watch keeps going off telling me I'm stressed. But so I keep having to have those breathing moments throughout my day. And then I sit down and I pick up the Book of Mormon reading this week. And it's kind of perfect because I feel like I'm in the middle of a battle or a middle of a war, both with anxiety, with COVID, with a lot of the cultural elements that surround the COVID. Um, I guess there's lots of debates that surround COVID. Is it even real? People don't know. Uh, trust me, my sister has had it. It's real. Um, and it's, I just feel like I'm in the middle of a war. And so when I went through and read it this week, instead of going through and like, oh, this person did this and this person did this and this meant this, it was much more of like me trying to cling to a lifeline. Like, Captain Moroni, tell me what to do. You know, how do I survive this war? Well, by following Captain Moroni's example, there were some things that I learned. And of course, it's not Captain Moroni who's telling me what to do. It's my Father in Heaven and my Savior who are going to be the ones that lead me through this battle, this upcoming battle. But it was the example of Captain Moroni and the way that he prepared his troops that it kind of helped me like, whew, you know, chill out a little bit and think about this upcoming year. And I got to the point where I figured out like there's three P's that I need to focus on. The first one is to be prayerful because I felt like Captain Moroni and all those who are leading the army against the Lamanites and the wicked Nephites, that they were in contact with their Heavenly Father. So as I prepare for this year, I need to be prayerful. I need to be in contact with my Heavenly Father daily, multiple times a day. Um, The second P word that I've decided for myself after reading these chapters is that I need to be peaceful. I need to be looking for peace. And part of that is staying away from, you know, parts of social media that will stir me up and get me like really riled up about this. And like, I've had to go and like unfollow certain groups and things like that. Um, because it was just, it was getting me wound up and there was nothing I could do about it. You know, nothing I can do about stopping COVID besides taking care of my family and I can't stop going to work. And so I knew I I'm going to be going to work and riling myself up about the situation was not going to make it any better. So finding things to cut out of my life to create peace in my life and to be practical, which could be another P word, to be practical about the situation and not, I guess, like over hyper, like sensitize it, which I think sometimes our media tends to do. And then the third one was to be prepared. And this is really something that I learned from Captain Moroni this week was when he went into these wars, he prepared his soldiers and he prepared his armies and then he prepared the places of battle really well. He knew what they needed to have to protect them. He knew where where the enemy was going to strike and he knew what he needed to do to make weak places strong. He had a plan. And that is what I guess my prayers and my searching for peace is going to be kind of my focus is going to be preparation um, to prepare for this year and to go to battle against, you know, the fear and the panic and the disease 
and the social isolation that these kids have been facing. So they're going to come back like mentally not okay too. Um, It's just, it's going to be a really, really hard time. And I see that coming up and it's just terrifying. But I know with my Heavenly Father's help and with prayer and peace and preparation that I can make it through it. I hope I can make it through it. I say I know, but um, if if there's, I doubt any part of that at all. It's not my Heavenly Father. It's not prayer or anything like that. I doubt me. I doubt my, my ability to hold it all together, but we'll see. We'll see. So all that to say, as we go into Come Follow Me this week, um, yeah, this is not going to be a very scholarly episode. This is going to be me like <laughs> holding on to phrases here and there that are kind of just getting me through this this time. Okay. So let's start out. And Come Follow Me says, when we read the words at the beginning of Alma chapter 43, and now I return to an account of the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites, it's natural to wonder why Mormon included these war stories when he had limited space on the plates. Okay, so I want to pause there. So one scholarly thing I did learn was that over the course of the Book of Mormon, there's about 15 different wars that happen in the Book of Mormon. And you can go into Book of Mormon Central. They explain a lot about the wars and why the different wars happened and things like that. Why would wars be included in the Book of Mormon? Um, Especially by Mormon who saw our time, who knew what we would be dealing with. Because wars do happen. You know, we have all kinds of unrest and stuff in the Middle East and things like that. And various countries fight against other various countries. But I would say for the majority of us, we are not involved in physical warfare. However... I think we are involved very much in like mental warfare and warfare for the hearts and minds on different philosophies and things like that. And as I was going through the chapters and reading, you know, a lot of it focuses on Moroni and the armies and charging into battle and stuff like that. But there's also a part where the kingmen and the freemen kind of have like a philosophical war as well. And that was the war that really kind of reminded me a whole lot more of what we have going on in our society now than the actual physical warfare that they had going on then. So if we can take the things that we can learn from the wars that are happening there, like the physical wars, and apply it to our lives, like I'm trying to do with um, this upcoming school year, then it'll help us learn how to fight a little bit cleaner, how to you know, survive a little bit more, how to prepare ourselves so that we can survive when we are attacked by Satan. So that was one of the things I I thought about. Okay, so going back into Come Follow Me. It's true that we have our share of wars in the latter days, and there's value in his words beyond the description of strategy and the tragedy of war. His words also prepare us for the war in which we are all enlisted. The war we are fighting each day against the forces of evil. This war is very real, and the outcome affects our eternal lives. Like the Nephites, we are inspired by a better cause, which is our God, our religion, our freedom, our peace, and our families. Moroni called this the cause of the Christians, the same cause which we are fighting for today. Okay, that was the introduction. And again, I think we are fighting a war against philosophies against principalities like we talked about. It's that scripture from Ephesians. Um, it's Ephesians six twelve, And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
And that's the war that we are fighting. Um, that's, again, it's, you know, I always say it's crazy that that's one of my favorite scriptures, but it is because it lays out so clearly what it is that we are battling against in this world. And that leads us right into the first section of Come, Follow Me, which is the battles in the Book of Mormon teach me about my battles against evil. And I would say even personally, it's not necessarily battles of evil that I guess I'm facing. It's battles of fear. And, you know, we're told in 2 Timothy that the spirit of Christ is not the spirit of fear. And so I see fear as a tool of the enemy. And so that would be, that's what I'm fighting against is my battle against fear. So me making it personal because it's all about me. Don't you know, everything's about me, right? Um, (laughs) So to me, it's my battles against fear. Okay. Come Follow Me says, reading about the wars between the Nephites and the Lamanites might be more meaningful to you if you look for parallels to your personal spiritual battles. As you read Alma 43 through 52, notice what the Nephites did that made them successful or sometimes unsuccessful, and then ponder how you can use what you learn to help you win your spiritual battles. As you study verses like the following, write your thoughts about how you can follow the Nephites' example. Okay, so the first example it gives us is Alma 43, 19, and it says, And when the armies of the Lamanites saw that the people of Nephi, or that Moroni, had prepared his people with breastplates and with armed shields, yea, and also shields to defend their heads, and also they were dressed with thick clothing. There, when I first read that verse, I was like, that reminds me a whole lot of the armor of God. Again, I guess Ephesians 6 has been on my brain. And so, Moroni prepared his people with armor God. So what can I do to prepare myself with the armor of God? And again, it's that losing myself in the scriptures, praying to my heavenly father, searching for peace, putting those different pieces on as my armor as I go throughout my day that can keep me safe and keep me protected against fear and against the tools of the adversary. All right, Alma 43, 23 through 24. And I'm not going to read these because they're fairly long and they pretty much just say that when Moroni was looking to defend the different areas, that he went to Alma and asked Alma to go to the Lord and pray for some wisdom and counsel for him to be able to go and defend his different areas. And that's definitely something I'm planning on doing. I'm going to ask my father for a back-to-school priesthood blessing. He always does that for um, all of us whenever we went to school every year, and he does that for me. And also, I have a sister who's a teacher, and um, he gives us back-to-school blessings now every year because we do go back to school. So I'm definitely going to be looking to the Lord for guidance just in my daily personal prayers, but also in asking for that priesthood blessing as well. All right, the next one is Alma 44, 1 through 4. And this is Moroni talking to Zarahemna. And he's telling them a couple different things, like this is why you kind of have been delivered into our hands. But it's specifically verse 4 that stood out to me. And it said, Now you see that this is the true faith of God. Yea, you see that God will support and keep and preserve us so long as we are faithful unto him and unto our faith and our religion. And never will the Lord suffer that we shall be destroyed, except we shall fall into transgression and deny our faith. So to me, that says, as I'm looking at something I'm fearful of, or, you know, that's giving me tremendous anxiety, um, God will support me and keep me and preserve me as long as I am faithful unto him and unto my faith, that he will support me in this. 
And that is a huge blessing as I go into kind of uncharted territories. We're all going to, all educators and kids who are going back to school, we're all going into uncharted territories this fall. And so it's nice to have that support with me. The next section is going to be Alma 46, 11 through 20. And this is where we see Moroni creating the title of Liberty. There's like, this is the section of the Book of Mormon that launched like a thousand paintings. There are so many paintings of Moroni um, creating the title of Liberty and waving it around. Um, but to me specifically, it was Alma 46, 12 that stood out to me. It says, And it came to pass that he rent his coat, and he took a piece thereof, and he wrote upon it, In memory of our God, our religion and freedom, and our peace, our wives and our children. And he fastened it upon the end of a pole. And then he takes it around, and he shows it, you know, to the people who are there. And it says, also interesting, that he talks about them being Christians. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But as we go down in the scriptures a little bit more, when we get into about, let's look at verse 19, it says, And when Moroni had said these words, he went forth among the people, waving the rent part of his garment in the air, that they all might see the writing which he had written upon the rent part, and crying with a loud voice, saying, Behold, whosoever will maintain this title upon the land, let them come forth in the strength of the Lord, and enter into a covenant, that they will maintain their rights and their religion, that the Lord God may bless them. To me, what that said there is that Moroni gave them a cause, and he reminded them what they were fighting for. And as I was sitting here thinking about this upcoming school year, you know, I'm thinking about all the things that are going to be bad and are going to be wrong and all the ways it's going to be different and it's going to be hard. I kept forgetting the reason why I go to work and why I do what I do. And because, you know, so much of it was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I have to do it because I need a paycheck. So it became my why became because I need that paycheck. Well, this is not worth this for a paycheck. Like I could go do several other jobs and get paid much more. It made me sit back and look at why do I do what I do? And I do what I do because I love kids. And because I love reading and I want to instill that love of reading in the kids. And so that helped me become more practical and helped me prepare better because then I sat back and I'm like, okay, what's my title of liberty? And my title of liberty is I do what I do because I want to help kids learn to love reading and I want to help them grow in healthy ways. And so I as I sat back, I'm like, what are the ways that I can help promote literacy in kids? What are ways that I can interact with them, even through face masks and face shields and things like that, that I can can still interact with them in a way that will help them develop healthily and will still be good for them mentally and help them to grow in the way that their Heavenly Father wants them to grow. And so that right there, those scriptures help me redefine my why. Why am I about to step foot into this really scary environment? And I could do it for my kids. I can definitely, like, I, you know, would not think twice about standing up for them. And that helped kind of refocus me as well, where all of a sudden the emphasis wasn't on me, me, me. All of a sudden it's on how can I serve the kids that my Heavenly Father, I feel like, has called me to serve, you know, and that helped remind me. And I think Moroni's title of liberty did something similar, where you have all these people and they're looking and they see the Lamanites and the Lamanites look like really scary, but the title of liberty helps focus them. Like, remember why we're doing this. We're doing it for this reason. We're doing this to defend our families and our religion and our peace. You know, that's why we're doing this. And that kind of, you know, 
gave them heart and made them braver and able to stand up. Now, I want to talk about the point that they are called Christians, okay? In 14, it says, For thus were all the true believers of Christ who belonged to the church of God called by those who did not belong to the church. And those who did belong to the church were faithful. Yea, all those who are true believers in Christ took upon them gladly the name of Christ or Christians as they were called because of their belief in Christ who should come. Okay, so interesting to me that they're called Christians here because the first time that we see the word Christian used is not until, I think, after Christ has left, after his resurrection. We see it there in like Acts. And it's interesting to me that this would, this term would appear in like the pre-Christ world, I guess you could say. And interesting also that it was also used called by those who did not belong to the church. So the term Christian was used in kind of a derogatory manner. The term Christian in Acts or wherever it was that showed up in the New Testament was also used in a derogatory manner. That to me makes sense because... Satan will take something that works in one era and he will go and he will use it in another era. So it makes sense to me that that derogatory term, I guess, would show up wherever people were ridiculing and reviling the the Christians. But it's really neat to me to see how they took that term, which was such a derogatory term, and they turned it into being like, yeah, we are taking upon us the name of Christ. Absolutely. And they turned it into a good thing. They turned it into a label for themselves. So I think that was something else that we could learn from there, too, is to take something bad and to turn it into something good. But also, if you're a believer of Christ, you take upon him his his name. You take upon yourself his name. And we live that name. We live what that name means in our lives every day. All right. The next section is Alma 48, 7 through 9. And this is the section where Moroni is going about and he's finding like their weakest spots and he's fortifying them. He's strengthening the armies of the Nephites. He's erecting small forts. This is from eight or places of resort, throwing up banks of earth around the about to enclose his armies and also building up walls of stone to encircle them about round about their cities and the borders of their land, yea, all round about the land. Nine, he says, and in their weakest fortifications, he did place the greater number of men. Thus, he did fortify and strengthen the land which was possessed by the Nephites. So as I'm sitting down this week, you know, going through my three Ps, prayerful, peaceful, and prepared, this is the section that really made me think a lot about being prepared. How can I prepare my library? And I started sitting down like, okay, so what are the things that I can do like normal? And what are the things I need to kind of change or, you know, the different ways that I can sanitize items and materials? And um, what are some of the weakest points in my library that I'm going to have to really like strengthen, like Moroni strengthen the Nephites and their weak points in their town? You know, what are the strengths that I already have in place that I can emphasize to kind of make cover up for some of those weaknesses and it helped to sit down and kind of make an inventory of like where my holes and my strengths were and what my strengths were that I could kind of blow up and make them a little bit better and how to support and strengthen like the weaknesses I guess that I had so that's what that inspired me to do is it really inspired me to look at my plan for the upcoming year and the next section, which is Alma 49, 3, 12 through 14, I feel like is very similar to that because it talks about the Lamanites looking for those weak areas that they knew had been there before and going to attack them, but then finding that Moroni had strengthened those weak areas. So, so that kind of goes in, I think, with like the section, our last scripture section that we talked about. 
All right, and then also it says, notice how the Lamanites and Nephite dissenters try to defeat the Nephites. These things can warn you about how the adversary might try to attack you. As you study, write how Satan might attack you in similar ways. So the first example they give is Alma 43, 8. And it says, for behold, his designs were to stir up the Lamanites to anger against the Nephites. This he did that he might usurp great power over them, and also that he might gain power over the Nephites by bringing them into bondage. Um, Stirring them up to great anger. Anger is a really interesting emotion. And they've done all kinds of studies that when you're angry or when someone posts something online that makes you angry, that you tend to jump first and ask questions later about that particular like argument or that particular statement that you're more likely to just believe it on face value if it makes you really angry and run away and be like, can you believe they said this? I can't believe they said this, blah, 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 and not actually investigate to see if it's true. Um, so anger is a, it's just a really interesting kind of, I guess, tool that the adversary uses against us. And it was one that I saw him using against me because I was so afraid that I feel like he was turning that fear into anger. I got really angry at the politicians who were making the choices to send us back to school, the leaders in my school district that were sending us back to school, and the reasons that they were making for sending us back to school in the middle of like this hot spot. And I got really angry and it didn't help anything by getting angry. That wasn't productive. That wasn't me going around and shoring up weak spots that would actually help me stay healthy and well in my library. It was just me being like angry and shaking my fist. But at the end of the day, it just caused the fear and the panic to be so much worse. And I feel like sometimes that's how Satan works against us is he stirs us up to anger, but anger is not actually productive. It doesn't actually do anything. And so... I guess that's that's one of the ways that I saw him kind of work against me and, and to increase my fear and my anxiety. In Alma 43, 29, it says, And now as Moreau and I knew the intention of the Lamanites, that it was their intention to destroy their brethren or to subject them and bring them into bondage, that they might establish a kingdom unto themselves over all the land. The Lamanites wanted to bring the Nephites into bondage. So I think it's important to know what your enemy wants. Um, in this case, I guess my enemy is COVID and it just wants to rule the world. I don't know what COVID wants, but um, that's my enemy, I guess, at this point. I guess, you know, really my enemy is Satan. But I'm saying like in my upcoming school year, my enemy, my enemy would be my fear, I guess. And that would bring me into bondage because it would make me shrink and kind of like just be so paralyzed with fear that I wouldn't be able to do anything. So that is a kind of bondage, I believe. All right, Alma 46.10. Yea, we see that Amalickiah, because he was a man of cunning device and a man of many flattering words, that he led away the hearts of many people to do wickedly, yea, and to seek to destroy the church of God and to destroy the foundation of liberty, which God had granted unto them, or which blessing God had sent upon the face of the land for righteousness sake. I think I see that a lot too with leaders that we have in our, you know, and I'm saying in like, this is like our secular world that we have leaders who stand up who are incredibly cunning and they say very flattering things or they say very, really things that like, oh, that sounds really good. I, I really think I'm going to follow them. And um, this is actually something that I have found myself like falling into traps with is, you know, people making arguments. And I'm like, that argument makes a lot of sense. But then if I go and actually see like what the argument stands for, that's really not okay. I guess that's something I need to watch is, you know, the political leaders that I'm following and the political, I guess, influencers or, you know, just influencers in general that I'm following. 
are they standing on the right side of the Lord? Or are they just saying cunning and beautiful things that make me want to follow them? You know? So that was something that kind of came to mind. All right. Alma 47, 10 through 19. And I'm not going to go in and read it to you. This is basically the story of Leontai that um, they want him to come down to the foot of the mount. And he's like, I don't want to go down to the foot of the mount because I know you guys are bad. I know Malachi is a bad dude. I don't. I want nothing to do with it, Malachi. Malachi tries to get him to come down at least four times, I think. I think it's four times. And on the fifth time, Lahante comes down and Amalekiah says, hey, I will deliver my army up unto you if you'll make me your second command, like if you'll make me your vice president. And their custom, I guess, was very similar to our customs, whereas if the president gets knocked out, then the vice president takes his place. And so this is Amalekiah's scheme all along. And then Lahante is poisoned by Amalekiah by degrees. And I think that's the same way that Satan attacks us a lot of ways is by degrees. Um, He's not going to say, hey, come on down and, you know, break the law of chastity because you're not going to do that, right? He's like, hey, don't you see that attractive looking girl over there? Hmm, She looks pretty nice. Why don't you look at this picture over here? Look at this. Why don't you watch this movie with this content in it? Why don't you go on a date with this girl? or this boy. And why don't you stay out a little bit later? Oh, it's just kissing. Kissing is fine. Oh, you're just going to make out for a little bit. It's not that that bad. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And by degrees, things happen. And I think that happens to us with a lot of different things where we get used to a situation. And so it's easier to take that next step down. And it's not just a lot of chastity stuff. It could also be things like, I guess, lying could be another one. Um, Deceit could be another one. Coveting. Like once you start coveting something, then all of a sudden you want more and more and more. I feel like sin in general is something that kind of eats itself or eats things. It causes like a void because you can never get enough. Like once you've made that one step into like that one lie, or you've made that one step into that, you know, coveting that one thing, all of a sudden there's more that adds onto it. And it's never enough, you know? So that's kind of what I saw in that particular section of scriptures. All right. The next section in Come Follow Me says, as I strive to be faithful like Moroni, I will become more like the Savior. And it says, do you wish you could become more like the Savior and lessen the power of the adversary in your life? Yes. Yes, I do. Come follow me. One way is to follow the admonition in Alma 48, 17, to become like unto Moroni. And that is one of the famous (laughs) Book of Mormon scriptures that gets quoted a lot. So let's read it together. Alma 48, 17. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto you, if all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. How cool is that? Um, The amount of faith that Moroni had, and not only faith, but putting faith into action, I think is really one of the things that I see Moroni as one of his strengths that I think is really cool. And not only putting faith into action, but inspiring others to that same faith and to bringing them to that faith of Christ and find, helping them find their strength in Christ as well. Yeah, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men if we were able to encourage our brothers and sisters to choose Christ over all else. You know, so that to me kind of stuck out to me. It says, pay attention to Moroni's attributes and actions as they are described throughout Alma 43 through 52, that big old chunk of scripture we read this week. Um, What impresses you about this mighty man? I told you guys. Ponder what you feel inspired to do to follow Moroni's example and become more like the Savior. 
Um, again, the thing that impressed me was that not only was he able to prepare and he knew his enemy's mind so well and he was able to put his faith into action, but that then he was then able to inspire others around him. So to me, that tells me, okay, I know my Heavenly Father wants me to go back to school. He wants me to in this job. I've prayed about it. I know that's where I need to be. And so I need to put in a plan of action. And then once I have a plan of action, I need to reach out to my fellow educators who are also all feeling very blah about going back to school and help them and help ground them and help them to know, hey, we can do this. Um, Whether it be through our school prayer group, we have a prayer group. We've been texting back and forth scriptures to help prepare us for this this school year and um, things like that. Just through prayer, lifting up my school in prayer. Um, It's just, it's going to be a rough year, but I think I can help by inspiring them and being a point of the spirit being in my school and helping the Holy Ghost be there in my school as a comforter. Not only to the teachers that I work with, but also to the kids. Um, you know, that's just something I kind of thought about as I was thinking about Moroni. All right. And I think the next couple of sections, there are things that we've talked about. You know, Satan tempts us degree by degree. Um, there's unity and being together, that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and end this episode here. I know it's shorter than it normally is. I know that I didn't touch in depth on many things. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed in myself because these are the war chapters. Like there's so much I can go into detail on, but guys, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. This week was just one of those weeks where I just, I mean, I just had to go as surface level as I could. You know, I always say sometimes you just got to do the drive-through scripture meal because I was trying to like feast on the scriptures And I guess it was because of the anxiety or whatever my mental state was. I felt like I was drowning. Anytime I tried to pick up the scriptures and kind of really go in depth with them, like I would just find myself faltering. But if I skipped along kind of surface level and I found those truths and I kind of looked at who Moroni was and took a phrase here and a phrase there, then it really stuck to me in the middle of like my crazy whirlwind that I feel like my mind is kind of in this week. And I was able to cling to those things. So to any of you out there who struggle with anxiety, I guess this would be me saying, if you struggle with anxiety and you struggle with doing scripture reading in the middle of anxiety, don't stress about diving in and trying to learn every little point of doctrine. You don't need more anxiety on top of the anxiety you already have. Find those pieces of scripture where you know the Lord is speaking to you, where you can feel your Savior's love, And where you can feel his hand reaching out to you and cling to those scriptures. You know, sometimes we think of scripture feasts of reading like lots and lots of verses. Or we think of it as being, you know, really scholarly and learning the culture and things like that. Sometimes I think scripture feasts are taking a phrase and like etching it upon your heart. And that's what I tried to do this week. And I tried to distill it all down to those three P's, to be prayerful, peaceful, and prepared. And that's what I came up with out of this week's reading. So I leave you guys with that. I love you guys. Hopefully next week will be a better week and I'll have a better episode for you. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.